Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. has us scratching our heads wondering what is wrong with the SEC this is as poor a start to the season as the conference has had in I mean dare I say recent memory when you look at the way the conference has performed against power five opponents most notably the ACC when you look at the way the conference is performing against quote-unquote lesser opponents struggling out of the gate, struggling throughout the game, some quarterbacks not living up to their potential. You know, many, I think, will look across the league and try to poke holes in certain teams and and say they're no good and this team stinks and see that team was overrated. Guys, I think a lot of this has to do with the increased parity in college football. And we have the transfer portal and NIL to thank for it. Now, I'm not saying that's the case in every single one of these scenarios. Certainly, there are some teams that have gone through two weeks of play that you look at and say, okay, this team has maybe more question marks than we realize. They've got some real issues they're going to have to solve as we get into SEC play. But I just think the increased parity across the sport, right? More good players are going to more teams. Like a a team like Texas, a team like Alabama, a team like Georgia, teams like LSU, while they still have most of the good players, they don't have all of them anymore. Like there's not this monopoly, especially you look at Alabama, and we'll, we'll transition and talk about that game here in a second, but they no longer have a monopoly on all of the really good players. Like, there are really good players now at a lot of these smaller schools. A lot of these smaller schools are now pretty decent teams. And again, I'm not saying that applies to every single scenario and that some teams out there just don't look downright terrible to this point. But I think we're going to see more of this. Like, I, I think this is only the beginning. And it's a threat to the SEC, no doubt, because the SEC, you know, every time... The SEC wins one of those, you know, SEC Big 12 matchups or certainly SEC, ACC or whatever it is, right? The the cross-conference Power 5 matchups, if you will. The SEC sticking its chest out, beating its chest. Look how great we are. And now, I mean, the reality is you have to look at it and say, what's the SEC's best win through the first two weeks of the college football season? Is it Ole Miss beating Tulane? I mean, is it Auburn beating Cal? What is the best win? 
Because in all of the headliner matchups, the SEC has fallen flat. Flat out. The SEC has failed to perform at the highest level. That being said, guys, let's go ahead and dive into the slate. I want to start with the big one. Alabama and Texas. This was a game that admittedly, guys, I was watching South Carolina Furman in the Big Cock Club Discord, which, by the way, joined the BCC today. We had a blast in the Discord on Saturday night. But I was watching that game in the Discord on my MacBook. And on the big screen behind it, I did have this Alabama-Texas game. And, guys, it, it was so much fun because I tell you, the first thing that jumped out to me, when you watch a game like that, the sound, the sound of that ball game, it's it's different. The popping of the pads, the physicality, you could just tell Right, it's it's a different type of sound, right? Like you hear this all the time in baseball. Like there's a difference between guys that are in the minor leagues and the way that the ball sounds off their wood bat and a guy like Ron, Ronald Acuna, right? Like when that ball jumps off of his bat, the crack of the bat is just different. It's just different. When you have two teams like Bama and Texas squaring off, the the sound of the pads popping is just different, man. The type of grown men in the trenches is different. Either way, though, of course, Texas wins this game, 34 to 24. Guys, like I told you last week, I picked Texas. I not only had Texas plus seven, but I hammered Texas in our pick'em going into the weekend. And I was chastised by many. No way Texas goes in Alabama and they get this dub. And I'll say the same thing about Bama that I said about LSU after week one and they lost to Florida State. Everything Bama wants to achieve is out in front of it. Bama's season's not over, although I'm sure Crimson Tide faithful, they feel that way today because they're not used to losing, and they're certainly not used to losing at home. By the way, shout out, the last time Bama lost by double digits at Bryant-Denny Stadium, 2004. The Gamecocks, Savelle Newton-led, went in there and really beat up on Mike Shula's Crimson Tide. Either way, though, we knew over the offseason that Alabama had issues, right? Quarterback was a big question. Lost Will Anderson, lost Jameer Gibbs. Offensive line wasn't very good last year. And so that's why coming in this game, guys, like, you know, Alabama looked great against Middle Tennessee State. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting carried away with that type of result, good or bad, was a mistake. It, it was. And, and that's why, guys, admittedly, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock 
in a lot of these these cupcake games that we're seeing at this point. Because if if teams do good things, you discredit it because the level of competition. If they do bad things, kind of the same thing, right? It's almost a lose-lose scenario. And going into this game, I still had questions about Jalen Milrow. I still had questions about Alabama on the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. And those things reared their ugly head. I mean, Jalen Milrow, I don't, I don't think he was terrible, right? The official stats, 14 of 27, 255, had two touchdowns, but two really costly interceptions as well. Um, you know, for a team that that preached and 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 you know proclaimed they were gonna play joyless murder ball and, and bully ball this season. Didn't see a whole lot of that on Saturday night. The leading rusher for Alabama, Jace McClellan, 12 for 45, 3.8 yards per carry. Jalen Milrow was the second leading rusher, 15 for 44. You're just not seeing Alabama get that same push that they've always gotten. And like I said, guys, they just don't have a monopoly on these great trench players like they once did. Defensive line couldn't get a single sack on Quinn Ewers. Texas quarterback, who was fantastic, by the way, in that ball game. I think we're spending a lot of time, at least some folks are, proclaiming that Alabama season is over, the dynasty is dead, they are no longer what they used to be. We really need to spend time tipping the cap to Texas because they're legit, they're for real. I, I know we get sick of the whole Texas is back, and you know they may they may fumble down the stretch, lose one they're not supposed to, or lose a couple, who knows, but... That Texas team, I mean, guys, you go down the list. I don't know that there's one position on that field that Alabama was better than Texas at. I mean, Texas has dudes. They've got certified dudes all over the field, and it showed. They're big and physical in the interior defensive front. They've got great linebacker play. They went step-for-step with Bama's wide receivers. I mean, their wide receivers led by Xavier Worthy are fantastic. They've got great tight ends. And again, Quinn Ewers is a big, big big-time quarterback. I don't think Bama's season is over. I think Bama can still accomplish everything they want to accomplish, but... This is a gut check game for them. And, and, and again, it, it'd be much more, I think, detrimental to Alabama. Let's say LSU, they won their season opener against Florida State and, uh, you know, other SEC teams. You know, Texas A&M had beat Miami. God forbid we're going to talk about that in a second. But had those things happened, if the SEC as a whole looked better, then I think this, this loss would be more detrimental. But the fact of the matter is... I mean, the SEC just looks wide open right now. Looks wide open, and that bodes well for an Alabama team that's still trying to figure it out. So I I just – I wonder what Bama does at quarterback because they've got a lot of other things to get short up, right, getting to this joyless murder ball that they, you know, they talked about all offseason. But you guys know it starts and ends with the quarterback, and I I just wonder, you know, is Jalen Milrow going to be the guy moving forward? Do they have someone else on that roster – they feel like can come in and get the job done. Guys, I just mentioned the Texas A&M Aggies, and I just, I'm so mad at myself, man. I'm so mad at myself for drinking the Kool-Aid again and and believing in Jimbo Fisher for even a second. And I will not make that mistake again. 
This game to me, and you know what? Give Miami credit. They're for real. They're legit. Mario Cristobal is doing a fantastic job. Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback is a great player. Um, that being said, though, this was the game to me, I thought, that if Texas A&M, if they're going to pop off and have that, that 10-win season, that breakout season that Jimbo Fisher and company, they desperately need, like, I thought this was the game that needed to be the launching point. And Texas A&M, they come out of the gate, they start fast, right? A couple of special teams plays, what have you, and they just run into a brick wall. Turnovers, sloppy play, just mistake after mistake. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the offense for the most part, right? He scored 38 points. Connor Wegman, he wasn't perfect, but I mean, he threw the ball 53 times. That was a major problem, right? They couldn't run the football. Connor Wegman was... Uh, their, their leading ball carrier in terms of average, right? 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, the Daniels kid at 18 for 62, 3.4 yards per carry. Could not run the ball effectively. Defensively couldn't stop a nosebleed. And the stat that stands out to me, guys, Texas A&M, get this. They are 1-7. and 1-7 and seven in their last eight games against Power 5 competition. One in seven in their last eight. It's a non-conference game. I So I, I almost feel hypocritical saying that, you know, for Texas A&M, this is detrimental, this is terrible, but for teams like Bama and LSU that can bounce back. It, it's just like it's another big game in which Jimbo Fisher falters. It's another big game. They fall flat on their face. And, and I don't know what it's going to take to turn it around for them. I I, I really don't. And it's just becoming far too common a theme, if you will, right? We were all, you know, we we all, I think we all wanted to believe in Texas A&M because of the recruiting and, and, and the, the wealth of talent they have. Like, guys, you look at their recruiting rankings, like they have, I'll say it's a notch below because I think to say they have Georgia-level talent on the defensive front is probably a little too aggressive, but like, it's just one step behind. That's how well they've recruited. On paper? But they're paper tigers. That's what Texas A&M is. They are paper tigers. They've, they've recruited at a high level. If you gave me like a you showed me recruiting rankings, I'd tell you Texas A&M, or that team, that bio, that profile, that's a team that's going to win the win their division, win the SEC West. I'd say, well, that's Bama. That's Georgia. Who is that? It's Texas A&M. And so something's missing. If you have the talent and you have all the resources that A&M has, what are you missing? I think the answer is pretty obvious. So depending on how this season goes, you know, I think it's too early to start saying fire Jimbo right now and start talking about his buyout. But if this continues and they're a fringe 500 team or, you know, scratching and clawing to get the seven wins, I think you really have to take a step back. If you're Aggie Nation, if you're the 12th man, you take a step back and say, what are we doing? Because you've got the money in College Station to basically go get anybody. Like, if you find the right guy, that thing's going to work. I'm just not sold right now that Jimbo's the right guy. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea. 
your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Guys, as I mentioned, I think at this point, maybe the most impressive win by an SEC team thus far, Ole Miss went on the road to Tulane, took down the Green Wave 37-20, to a gutsy win for Lane Kiffin's squad, outscored Tulane 27-3 in that second half. Um, surprising it was that close, honestly, just because uh, starting quarterback for Tulane was out in that ball game. Jackson Dart, you know, I thought, he, you know, he had said after the game they expected a fight, they expected a battle. Seventeen to twenty-seven, two sixty-seven, two touchdowns and a pick in that one. Um, was surprised the lack of success in the running game for Ole Miss. Eighteen for forty-eight, two point seven yards per carry, a touchdown in the game. But you know, I, I think the bottom line of that. By the way, they couldn't stop the run either. Twenty-three for ninety-two uh, for Hughes, the leading ball carrier for Tulane. Um, either way, though, guys, I, you know, it's it's a gutsy win. It's a gritty win. Uh, by the way, Trigg continues to be a big-time player for them. Uh, Wade on the outside, Watkins, Harris. They've got all kinds of weapons at Ole Miss for sure, and you expect the offensive attack to be a strong point for them. You know, shout-out to Pete Golding and his defense in the second Really, really clamping down there. Like I mentioned, outscoring them 27-3. to And, you know, you go on the road, it's it's a small venue, small environment, 40,000-seat stadium, but still like a really a tough environment, tough road game. I think that's a high-quality win. Top 25 win, by the way. Tulane was ranked 24th in the country. Um, I was impressed with Ole Miss. I really was. And I think Ole Miss is just kind of, you know, in an SEC West that LSU loses, Alabama loses, 
I'm not saying a team like Ole Miss or Arkansas is going to win the West, but I think there's some really, really good teams in the West beyond just those top two or top three that we talked about all offseason. So I think the West is going to be a ton of fun, man. I think it's going to be a ton of 50-50 games, ton of toss-ups, and I think Ole Miss absolutely will have something to say about that. Guys, the best of the rest, you look across it, really disappointed with Vandy, man. Really disappointed. You know, maybe we were we were sold a bag of goods that Vandy could not deliver on over the course of the offseason. They win five games last year. Uh, you know, two SEC wins. They beat Kentucky. to beat Florida. And, you know, we all thought to ourselves that Vandy maybe could get to six wins. It's not the fact they lost, right? Because Wake Forest at their place, good program. But they've looked terrible. <laughs> I mean, over the first three, you know, two weeks. or For them, three weeks with week zero being included. And I know some folks out there, right, we'll drop our SEC power rankings tomorrow and some folks will say, you know, Florida's criminally high. Why are they ahead of Vandy? Guys, Vandy has looked terrible. They've looked awful. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Um, you know, started that game out, you know, it was 24 to 14 after half. They get outscored 12 to 6 in the second half. Um, you know, A.J. Swan in the ballgame, 26 to 39, 314, three touchdowns, two picks. I mean, they're they're basically a three-man show, pretty much. They're, they're pretty much a three-man show. They've got A.J. Swan. They've got Will Shepard, who's a beast, by the way, at wide receiver. He had eight catches for 87 yards and two touchdowns. And they've got Jaden McGowan uh, on the outside as well. Outside of that, guys, and, and I actually thought, too, the rushing attack from the, uh, you know, Smith and Alexander, those kids, 10 for 77, the leading rusher, 10 for 28 for Alexander. So the running game was solid, um, but defensively, they've got major, major issues in the secondary. Uh, they could not stop Claiborne on the ground, 26 for 165. And then Carney as well, 13 for 117. So they really had a one-two punch in that ball game. And so Vandy's a team, I think, they've got UNLV this weekend. We'll talk more about those games later in the week, of course. But, you know, could they still get that six-win mark? Sure, but I think right now the question more so for Vandy is, do they hit the overwin total? Uh, that's the big question for them. Uh, Georgia beats Ball State 45-3. to Guys, won't spend too much time on some of these lesser games, if you will. Uh, I'm not buying. We'll talk more about Georgia, obviously. Gamecocks traveling between the hedges this week. I I'm not buying the whole Georgia stinks. They're not very good. Look at the look at the slow starts. Yes, they've started out slow, guys. They also dropped a 31 spot in the second quarter against Ball State. I, as I said last week, guys, dogs love to play with their food. I think a lot of these SEC teams are doing that. You're just going to have a hard time convincing me to draw conclusions from games in which fan bases are half-fired up, teams are half-fired up, it's watered-down game plans. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in it. And with all that being said, Georgia still won this freaking ball game, 45-3. to Kentucky's the really interesting one. They beat Eastern Kentucky 28-17. to And many folks are out there, Kentucky's overrated, they stink, we tried to tell you, Chris, they're no good. And I will say, they've been disappointing, right? I, and I give credit, though. Devin Leary, I thought, came alive in that ball game. You look at the stats, 24 for 38, 299, four touchdowns. He did have one interception, but four touchdown passes in that football game. Ray Davis looks as good as advertised, 12 for 52, 4.3 yards per carry, but they were throwing the football up and down the field. And I, I'll just say this. Our friend Nick Roush of KSR, Kentucky Sports Radio, he pointed out something that I think was was very – provided a lot of context. Mark Stoops, they've been bad against these FCS teams. 
I think his record against the spread is like four and six in those games. And you look back to the past couple of years when Kentucky was winning nine or ten games, like they struggled against Youngstown State. They struggled against some of these smaller teams. So, again, I would just caution people from drawing any sort of conclusions. I'm not telling you that Kentucky's been impressive because they haven't. They've been, they've, they've been downright bad. They've been sloppy. It's been ugly. I'm excited, though, as we get into SEC play to start to learn more about these football teams. Same thing with Arkansas and Kent State, guys. I mean, a final score of 28-6, to not going to blow anybody away. Um, I mean, shoot, the score was 14-6 to at halftime. And this is kind of a slow, grinded-out ball game by Arkansas. Arkansas, excuse me, scored seven in the third, seven in the fourth. You know, K.J. Jefferson, guys, 13-19, 136, two touchdowns. You got to think about this, too, guys. And also, K.J., 13 for 48. Rocket Sanders, um, I'm not even seeing him on the rushing stats. I'm not sure if he even played in this game. Um, anyways, though, you got to think, too. Like, we watched South Carolina against Furman, right? We'll get to that game here in just a second. But we watched the Gamecocks against Furman. It's a lot of it's empty the bench. Let's play other guys. Let's, let's, let's get our youngsters' experience. So, I, I just, again, I think folks can get lost in these scores, get lost in these stats. We're really not going to start learning things until – this weekend, when SEC play begins, Tennessee, like, what was that about, right? With that being said, what was that about? I mean, at one point, guys, Austin PA is up 6-3 to three on the Volunteers, and this was a 13-6 to six game with Tennessee leading at half, 30-13 to 13 the final. This is not what we are used to seeing from Josh Heupel's teams who typically start fast. They put their foot on your throat and – they score 50 points, what have you. Also, by the way, I think we learned that that Virginia team they beat in week one was not very good, right? James Madison went and took down UVA. So I don't know how much stock we can put in that. You know, Joe Milton, 21 of 33, 228, two touchdowns, no picks. A solid outing. Um, I, I think we'll learn a lot more this weekend about him and the Swamp when they take on the Gators. Um, you know, their they're, uh, they're fantastic running game that they lean on. Jalen Wright leading the way for Tennessee, 13 for 118, 9.1 yards per carry in that game. Small went 13 to 95. But again, just a just a sloppy game, a, a sloppy game for Tennessee coming out the gate really slow. I mean, there's a reason. Listen, football's four quarters. We know that as Gamecock fans watching the, uh, you know, watching the games and watching against lesser opponents, if you will. But I was really surprised at the slow start. Um, LSU bounces back in a big way, 72 to 10. They take down Grambling. I mean, I, I think it was the response you needed. Same thing for Florida McNeese, 49 to 7. Gators win. They get right. They get back on the right side of things. Missouri, I mean, another team almost losing to Middle Tennessee State. What is going on, right? Brady Cook, Brady did not cook on Saturday night in Como. I mean, escaping death against a Middle Tennessee State team that got blasted by Alabama just last week. Uh, Brady Cook, 14-19, did have two touchdowns, no picks in the game. I don't know what Eli Drinkwitz is doing here, though. I mean, you look at the second half, some questionable play calling, some questionable decision-making, if you will. I mean, this game, guys, you know, 10-10, to 10, or, you know, mid-third quarter, if you will. And uh, this is one that Mizzou, you know, you thought they had control early on and just never could pull away. So, I, I you know, I, I don't know what to think of Mizzou either, really. Um, Mississippi State, Arizona. I thought this was low-key, one of the better wins of the week in a game that went to overtime. The biggest thing I take away from this, guys, is, is Mississippi State fans and SEC fans as a whole as well, 
we're going to have to get used to Mississippi State just not being as fun and as flashy as they were, right? A weird game, by the way, in Starkville. Mississippi State had, uh, excuse me, Arizona had four turnovers in their first four possessions in this football game. But, I mean, guys, when's the last time Will Rogers passing stats? 13 of 17 for 162 and three touchdowns. I mean, they have completely gone away. This Kevin Barbe offense, they've gone completely away from the air raid, if you will. Completely gone away from it. Um, you look at the running game. I mean, Mississippi State, guys, they are they are getting back to, like, the old-school state physicality, right? Nasty on both lines of scrimmage. Jarquavius Marks, 24 for 123, a touchdown in the ball game. Uh, their backup running back, Davis, 5 for 34. But they are running the football, right? Like, they are committing to running the football, right? Um I mean, how about Arizona McMillan, their wide receiver, eight for 161 and a touchdown average, 20.1 yards per reception. Um, you know, Griffin for State, I think one of the best playmakers in the SEC, most underrated for sure, five for 83. He had two touchdowns in the ballgame. But that was just, guys, I think for so early in the Zach Arnett era, a huge win for him, moved to 2-0. and And now Mississippi State really has their first test, right? At home, LSU coming to town. You might recall this was a game. We'll talk about it more later in the week, but this was a game of the course of the offseason. I picked as an upset. I had State beating LSU. We'll lock in picks later this week, but do not be surprised if some weird things happen in Starkville with the ghost of the Pirate looming over uh, throughout this season. Finally, guys, Auburn and Cal. Auburn gets the dub. 14-10, a really sloppy game. Listen, if you're Hugh Freeze, throw out that tape of the offense, right? Because it was ugly. It was abysmal. The fact of the matter is this, though. You got the win, right? A road win on the West Coast. You've got Samford now upcoming. Should be 3-0. All of a sudden, don't sleep on the freeze. Don't sleep on Auburn. Here they come. Here comes Hugh Freeze. And I don't, those Auburn Tigers, that was a good win. That was a good win in week two, man. I had Cal, admittedly, straight up. You guys know. And, um, you know, I, I expected a lot more points. I think we all did. But that's a good win for so early on. I mean, guys, we recall what Shane Beamer did in year one, his second game. He went on the road to East Carolina. Granted, not the type of opponent Cal is, but either way, goes on the road week two, you know, guts out a really tough win, gets the W, and that that set them up for success in year one. I could see this doing the same thing because Cal, you know, they're not a great team by any means, but it, it's a power five opponent. And there's a lot of SEC teams out there right now that – Wish they could say they had a win over a Power 5 opponent. So, uh, a good win for Auburn, Hugh Freeze. I think if they were going to hit the 7 or 8 win mark overachieving year one, this was one they most likely needed to have. A lot to clean up, a lot to shore up. But, hey, the bottom line is this. Win, baby, win. Win anyways, find a way. And Auburn did that 14-10 to 10 over Cal. So, all in all, a rough first two weeks for the SEC when you factor in some of the headliner games. And it should be a lot of fun, guys, as we – for the most part, put out-of-conference play behind us, and SEC play officially gets underway going into Week 3. 